it really possible to work less, make more, and create an even bigger impact in the world? This show is designed to show you how. I'm your host, Dr. Alex, a retired and burnt out seven-figure practice owner turned outside the box business consultant to other women Kairos. I believe it's not only possible, but necessary. As women, it's high time we lead the charge in building our practices and businesses differently. This show will take you on the journey to show you just how to do that. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex. I'm very excited for today's conversation because we're talking about something I've come to love, which is money and bucket list planning and all these things. I am joined by Lisa Sakai, who is a financial consultant who works with clients on bucket list acceleration and getting to live the life they want now. As the co-founder of One Vision Retirement, she has been working with clients across, across the country for 12 years. Her advice provides easy to understand logical steps and exercises that people can take action on right away. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Alex. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So I love this whole concept of bucket list acceleration and actually, you know, getting to enjoy life like now versus waiting 50 or 60 years until we retire. Um, Yeah. So I'm curious because I always like to know, like, what what what's the journey that you have gone on to get to this point Mm -hmm. of what you do in terms of how you serve the world and people? Absolutely. I, it's a definitely could be a very long story, but I'll try to shorten it for sure. (laughs) Um, but I, you know, I, this is actually my third career and I know that that's going to kind of scare people a little bit, but it, it makes sense when we get there. And I've been doing this for 12, almost 13 years now. So it's definitely the career that's stuck and it's definitely, you know, I'm sticking around in it. Um, but I grew up in Los Angeles, California. So I was surrounded by Hollywood and, you know, movies and stuff like that. So I thought I wanted to be in the film industry uh, or, you know, some kind, you know, Hollywood of some kind. And uh, so when I got out of college, I decided to go into production, talent management, that kind of stuff. So I did that for quite a few years. Well, not quite a few, a couple of years. Um, And my kind of why story of what I do why I do what I do came from this. So I was working for a very nice producer. He's a very prominent producer out there, Um, but he loved having a clean car and I was getting his car detailed and waxed and washed again for the fourth time that week. And it had been, I think it was like a Thursday and it had been a long week already. And, um, and I was working insane hours that do you tend to do at the beginning of your career anyhow, but these were really kind of crazy hours. And I was sitting back thinking about like what I did for a living and was I happy with what I was doing? And there's a lot of reflection time. This was kind of before um, the, you know, internet on your cell phone. So you actually had to think and sit there <laughs> and think about stuff or bring a book, you know? Um, and so I, I started thinking, is this what I really want to do? And I thought, how many people am I actually helping? If I'm going to work this hard, am I really helping people? And I concluded that I really wasn't helping anybody because, you know, projects were being greenlit that maybe I didn't necessarily agree with or thought maybe the value system was off a little bit, um, things like that. And I just, I just sat back and thought, if I'm going to work this hard, I want it to make an impact and I want it to help 
as many people as possible. And so that's been kind of my motto since the beginning of my careers. Uh, I moved completely to a different career, which was teaching. And so I moved to the complete opposite of Hollywood. And I love teaching. Teaching was wonderful. Uh, and I, but I, again, didn't feel necessarily the completion I wanted. I only got to work with the kids one one year, one year, and then they move on to another classroom. And I taught primarily third and fourth grade, but elementary school in general. And it was hard because how much impact can you have in a year when they move on to another classroom and maybe that teacher doesn't have the same uh, same style, same same want to necessarily help the kids uh, to the level that I did or has a totally different style of trying to help kids or anything else. So I found that when I saw kids move on to the next year, I'd see them at the recess or something. I'd say, how are things going? They'd say, oh, it's fine. I could see them revert back to maybe some things that we moved past that year. And it was very challenging. And so again, I was like, well, is this really what I want to do? 2008 and the whole market crash and everything that was happening kind of helped move that along a little faster because I kept getting um, kind of let go or pink slipped every year. And they tried to rehire me to kind of keep budgets at a certain level, meaning they don't have to pay me more. And so I was like, you know, I, this is this is not it. This is not the realm I want to go into. So I started, I was on Monster and, you know, all those things that we used to use for job searches. And I uh, found that there were a lot of people in the financial industry that liked teachers because we're actually able to explain things, very complicated things in a very easy to understand way. And we aren't, we don't have a financial background necessarily. So we're not using all those big words that people don't understand. And so, especially in the insurance side, they love that because we can explain the insurance policies pretty easily. So I started in the insurance side, which many of us do in this industry. And that was almost 13 years ago. And basically, I just kind of have moved into financial planning because to me, the insurance has to mean something and it has to fit with an overall plan. Should everybody have insurance? I don't know. That's why we need to do planning so that I know if I can, if that's actually the right thing for you or not. And so I really love what I do. I do planning. I work a lot with women and very high powered women executives women who are making a huge impact in the world and helping a lot of people. And I just love it. I think it's it's amazing. And I really feel like I am actually doing what I want to do, which is help as many people as possible. Awesome. There's so many great parts to your story that I want to bring attention to. One of the big ones, as I shared with you, you know, we're going to, this episode is going to be cross-released with both my chiropractors podcast and, you know, women in general podcast. <laughs> and but I, I think we like, regardless of what your career is, we get sucked into this idea that you're supposed to do this just one thing. Like it's whatever you went to school for, or it's, you know, whatever this is. And I think you're a beautiful example of like, you know what your, your passion was and how like you want to make an impact in the world. And there's lots yeah. of different avenues that you can do that through. And I think it's finding the one that like most aligns with who you really are and, and yeah. what lights you up and, and gives you joy and excitement. And so you know, for my chiro women chiropractors who are listening to this, you know, we get very boxed in into like, you know, you have to adjust people every day, all day for the rest of your life and or until your body breaks, which most of us go through. And, 
you, you don't like there's other ways that we most of us you know and I think women in general we have this heart for service and for changing the world in some way I know I do and so how you get there can look different so I just wanted to bring that up first Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, my niece went through a very similar journey where she started in design and she thought that's, you know, she's fashion design. That's what she, Mm -hmm. she hated it. She's now working at a corporation doing sales and she loves it. She's doing so much better (laughs) in that world. It's just, you never know, but how much regret would she have had if she hadn't tried it? Right. Right. She was able to make the decision. She didn't want to do it anymore. So I totally get it. I, I am a full force that you need to find what you, what you love. And that doesn't mean that every day is going to be, you know, rainbows and, you know, like you're, you're going to have your days in any job or any, any profession that you're just like, Oh, why am I doing this? This is horrible. (laughs) But overall, if you can sit down and reflect and go overall, I have more good days and bad days. And I am very proud of this, the work that I'm doing and want to continue to do it. That's, that's the ultimate ultimate goal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for any listening, you know, this is the start, like financial planning is one thing, but certainly if you're feeling like you're boxed in or trapped in a career, not really like sure. And I know I've talked to chiropractors like fairly recently after graduation, like, I don't know why I did this. And, you know, we're talking about astronomical amounts of student loans, but it, doesn't mean that you have to sell out and or they you know live a partial life because we spend most of our time at work like you don't have to decide that it's just like this is what it's going to be and I'm going to suffer through and then one day maybe get what I to do what I really want to do Mm -hmm. exactly and there I feel like there's always seasons of our lives right so maybe that was right for the for one part of your life and now you move into another and maybe you've changed as a person. The world has changed dramatically in the last three years. Maybe things have just shifted for you. Priorities change, health changes, other things that maybe you sit back and go, this isn't, this isn't a fit anymore. And that's okay. And I think you're right. I think as women, we come from it from who are we going to let down by making changes. And, uh, and to me, it's, you've got to think, and this goes right into the the kind of planning I do. You've got to think about yourself first because mm-hmm. we think it's very selfish to do that, mm-hmm. but really actually you're able to take care of everybody else a lot better when you actually put yourself first and what you want first. Uh, majority of the time, sometimes, you know, I'm married. Sometimes I have to put what he <laughs> wants first, you know, but right. For the most part, really considering yourself in the equation and we as women, and I've been very guilty of this, don't tend to do that. We don't put ourselves in the equation. And it's funny by not doing that. I've noticed that sometimes because I'm, I'm always like, oh, well you decide. I don't really care. He'll get this. My husband will get this look on his face. Like I'm asking you for a reason. I want you to just, I like, I want you to make a decision or I want you to be part of this conversation. And I think we don't realize that that that's putting stress on them and they want that back and forth. If you're in a, if you're in a good relationship. Yeah, no, I think you bring up many good points there. One iteration of this show and a book I've actually written is on self-less syndrome, which is, you know, this 
idea that we have as women that we're supposed to, you know, we just want to take care of everybody else. And Mm -hmm. I think that we also have this drive that's probably like intergenerational trauma on some level of trying to keep the peace. And I've recently had this realization, like I spent most of my life not having an opinion because it was safer at home with my family and then in relationships. Mm -hmm. And it can be really weird to start to have one, but I think taking our power back and ownership, especially in the area of finances and actually having a plan and, you know, owning that side of ourselves when we are high achievers who earn an income, like it's, it's very tempting to just like have our money come in and let our spouses deal with it all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was the primary breadwinner in my first marriage and yet I allowed him to dictate like everything that happened with our money, which. That's not uncommon. Like what? Yeah. why do we do that? So let's start bringing this down. Like, yeah. where do we start taking our power back? So I think this is the first yeah. thing in it's our a own great place to start. Yeah, planning. absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, that you're not, you are not different than a lot. There's a lot of women that I sit down and I'm, they're the primary breadwinner by far, and yet they won't make the decisions at home. And I think yeah. part of it, might be that we make so many decisions in our career that we're just so tired of making decisions that we don't want to want to do that. Um, but there is sometimes a very prominent voice. Maybe it's your voice or maybe it's your husband's voice or your partner's voice. Um, and it's got to be evened out a bit uh, to make safe decisions for a family as a whole. It just does. And so that means maybe you have to step up to the plate. I think one of the reasons that we do that is that we as women just didn't get the education on finances. And so it feels uncomfortable for many of us. There are many women that are, they're powerhouse real estate agents and, you know, they, they have multiple um, real estate properties and income properties, but they are scared to death when it comes to the markets. Or there, you know, I have people who are work at investment companies who invest in companies all day long, but they cannot seem to understand how to translate that over to their personal planning. It's it's right. very difficult. And because we didn't get that education, and I I mean, I really do feel like no kids are getting any education right now, especially in the school system. But I for some reason feel like it's integrated into conversations with boys much more than it is with girls. It's just something that kind of comes up and is focused on a little bit more, or they're part of the conversation more. Men do tend to talk about finances to each other more than women do. I mean, when's the last time we sat with our girlfriends and we had a conversation about our personal finances? Probably never, (laughs) or maybe a long, long time ago, or maybe we all had had a little too much wine for those conversations, (laughs) things like that. But that's part of the problem is it feels so foreign to many of us that we just don't want to have have that conversation or we lean into an area of finance that we do understand much too heavily and we don't give any other areas in finance a chance. You know, we lean really heavy into real estate because we get real estate. We lean really heavy into investing because we understand that. And we don't necessarily diversify ourselves enough because we're afraid of a feeling stupid um, when it comes to new types of investing or new ways of doing it, or maybe everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And B, we don't want to make a mistake. There's a little bit of perfectionism that we as women have. We always want to try to make the best decision possible. And sometimes you do have to fall a little bit in order to get to that right decision. And it's hard. It's hard for us to to think that. Like I, I know when I have a new client come in, and this is nobody in particular, just in general, if we invest their money and it goes down within the first week, they immediately think they made a mistake. The women do. And the men don't tend to lean that direction. I think it's because we think, we think, oh my gosh, I, I made a mistake. It was horrible. I need to, you know, and when markets go up and down and it could be up in two weeks from from then or, you know, anything. So it's um it's a little bit of an insecurity with us. And I had it, I had a hundred percent of it before I started in this industry. I did not understand anything about finance. I was very lucky that I didn't have to take out a bunch of loans. And the conversations with my husband were always very tilted and very fear, fear-based fear decision-making mm-hmm. rather than like, I don't understand that. Could you explain that to me? You know, like I just didn't have the language or the confidence to ask him to explain what he was talking about because I felt really stupid that I had this great education and that I didn't understand any of this stuff. Yeah. And I think it's important to bring this to everyone's attention, listening. Like I shared with you before we started recording, I think, or maybe when we started, like I've been on kind of a money journey the last couple of years. um, And I'll just give, I've talked about it on the show, but you know, I, I built a seven figure practice. It was not my dream. It was built on everyone else, you know, speaking of taking care of everybody else. It was very much, you know, driven by what my staff's dreams were, what, you know, my patients wanted and what I thought I was supposed to do in the world. And so I burned out hardcore, um, physically and emotionally. And this sequela of events happened that, you know, I've, I've worked on detaching myself from the story, but there was like a bank involved and there was COVID involved and there was, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like my ability to actually show up and work full time as a chiropractor. And so ultimately I actually ended up declaring bankruptcy and I went through this interesting journey of building a lot of net worth, honestly. Like I owned a commercial building. I owned a house. I, you know, had a retirement plan that I had built inside of my own, you know, being self-employed, all this stuff. And literally kind of set fire to the whole thing and let it all go. And I've come to understand it as like as you were saying, you know, we don't, as women, we don't, it's like the world of finance has been a man's world in a big way, like mm-hmm. even more than most other areas, I think. Like, And yeah. most people don't realize women didn't kind of have a checking account on their own until like 1961 or something. It, it hasn't I been know. that long <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that we've been like yep. able to, to um, you know, have financial power. And most of us don't do the work or understand how to actually develop a relationship with money that is not charged in emotion or, you know, all, and like money is, it's just a thing, but it's also power. It's also like, there's a lot of, yes. you know, it's, it's energy really is what it is. And so I accumulated all this like wealth, if you look at it, but I didn't have the capacity to hold it. And so I think a lot of women probably experience this and that's why I'm, I'm bringing this up and you've probably seen this as well. So yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, because you do this all day long, like where, what are I, like, I have the things I've done, but what are the things that you have women start with to really like mm-hmm. work on that capacity yeah. to build? Because your bucket list, like all of that is going to be based on mm-hmm. your capacity to hold the thing. So. Yeah, totally. No, I, I think that's so brave that you're willing to share that story because it's, 
it's one of those things that happened to a lot of us. And we're so, there's so much guilt attached to it rather Mm -hmm. than just saying, this is something I can learn from. So I think that's wonderful. I do have plenty of clients, especially from 2008 that, um, that had to rebuild from bad marriages, Mm -hmm. bad decisions, bad, you know, uh, businesses blowing up in 2020, you know, like there, there are been times that that happens. Um, I think one thing, if you've gone through something like this and this is harder, this is harder to do than what I'm saying, but I think it's really important to Mm -hmm. sit back and be thankful that you had that, those, that asset Mm -hmm. that you had done that work to be able to, yes, it's a huge step backwards, but at least you didn't go farther backwards because you had actually done some preparatory work. You had some money to get through sometimes like that. Yes, you might've had to dip into your retirement way more or maybe take all of it out and deal with all the taxes and stuff, but at least you had it, right? So you did a really good job from the forefront having something there. So I think we have to acknowledge what we do well as well as you know the the struggle that we went through. Um and I think the biggest thing that we have to do is instead of when we come out of situations like that there's a lot of fear that's attached to it obviously because of what we just experienced. But I think we always think AI got to do it way differently than I did last time, which maybe you don't have to do it way differently. Maybe it's just a tweak or maybe it's just a little thing different or a different mindset that needs to be in place for it. And B um, we always think I need to do it perfectly now. That's never going to happen. I, I hate to say it. It's never, there's never a perfect plan because things change all the time. There's always different situations. I was just talking to a client who, when I started with her, she was in a totally different position than where she's at now in her business. And it has not been a good journey for her. And so the things we put in place at the beginning are not relevant anymore. That's not what her focus is on. And that's okay. Your plan is going to be fluid and it's never going to be the happy ending. Like the biggest question I get from a lot of women is what's the one thing I can put in place that's going to solve this. I tell you, there's not, is there's not a secret sauce that nobody's been telling you. It's, <laughs> it's about building the plan that works for you and staying diligent with it. Um, because money is like you said, it's really about having the life you really want. That's really what money does for us. We see it as evil. We have bad energy towards it sometimes, but really without money, you can't live the life that you truly want to live now or in the future. So this is where the bucket list planning kind of comes into play because we're always so focused on the future, but you're not living your best life now either. You're not. We're burning ourselves out. We're getting, uh, we're apologizing for taking time off. We're doing all these things that really we should be embracing right now and and saying it's okay. It's okay to um to go through this. And so, you know, we need to be having some wins in there to get us through to those, you know, 30, 40 years from now um goals as well. Absolutely. And, you know, for everyone listening to this, because I I made this mistake getting into business of like, especially when you're coming out of school and just an obscene amount of debt, (laughs) because, you know, you're just every year, it's like, oh, more and more in debt. It's hard to really 
have relationship to or like conceptualize earning power or earning potential or like the amount of money that's going to come in and out of the practice, you know, like or business or, or whatever it is. And what I learned is like having the ability to attach some sort of dream to have like, and, and it can expand, but you like, you have to start somewhere and, and really get to know like, Oh, this is what this amount feels like. And okay. Mm-hmm. What if, what if it was this? And like to think open to, your capacity yeah. in relationship to money and allowing yourself to have those dreams. Cause I know, you know, I, yeah. especially among women, it's always like, Oh, well, I can't do that because of blah, blah, blah. Or yeah. you know, among chiropractors, totally it's like, agree. well, I, I can't take her to vacation because it costs me money. And I'm like, okay, so it's like design practice. So it doesn't cost you money. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. I totally agree. It's funny. You said that cause it's true. Cause <laughs> there's so many, um, I had a I had a situation where I was talking to somebody and they they know that one they're business owner as well and mm-hmm. they know that there's like these two months in the year that they have problems that they that they're they just don't have enough revenue and they know it they yeah. know it's this month and this month and I said why aren't we preparing for those right? two months <laughs> and holding some extra money back so that you can get through it so that they are not so stressful for you and she sat yeah. back and she goes you know, no, nobody has ever suggested that. And she said, why did I not think of that? I said, we just don't, we just don't think about things like that. And sometimes the solution can be so easy. And because we're, you know, kick butt women who are, you know, take on the world kind of thing, we always think it's got to be a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. than it is. And sometimes the solution is really simple. And it's okay yeah. for it to be simple. Sometimes the simple things are the best ones for us. Yeah. And I know for me as a very self-proclaimed high performer, it's like or high achiever, simple seems too easy, right? Like I don't want to trust mm-hmm. it. And yeah, it's I think part of it is starting to cultivate that trust with ourselves and with the money that we have. Yeah. 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 There's a whole um thing I I do talks around the country and and one of the things I talk about are baby steps. I'm talking to a room full of very high achieving women who are taking the day off and they're all on their phones trying to answer emails while they're <laughs> vent and everything. <laughs> and I I know I get eye rolls when I say, "Oh, well, baby step, you know, because yeah. we don't do that as women. We take on huge projects and we get it done and we get it done fast and we get it done well." And a baby step seems like so disempowering almost for us. But if we actually sat back and thought about like what truly is a baby step, that's a child couldn't even lift his or her head up at, you know, nine months prior. And now they're taking on the world and running all over the place. Baby steps are powerful. They are now completely independent which, you know, we've all experienced chasing after a baby and going, how the heck did you get over here so fast? You know, yeah. the baby steps are amazing. And we really discount that first transition in our lives. And we baby steps can build on each other so fast that you can actually take on something a lot faster and achieve something a lot faster by starting small because you're at least starting. And most of the time, we put it off because we think it's this big project we've got to take on. But if you could just do one little thing a week to kind of keep things moving forward, 
then you'll be in a much better place at the end of the year and the end of five years, at the end of whatever your journey is, uh, to, to be in a much better place for yourself and really for your money journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I don't know where this saying came from, but I, I hear it often now just in the circles I'm in. It's the concept of slow, ga- slow down to speed up. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you can really master that, like I'll be at the clients that I've worked with who've had the most, and I did a lot of health stuff and now I'm kind of transitioning into more of like life and business and leadership stuff. But the ones who had the most success were the ones who really embraced that and were willing to mm-hmm. shift because it was changing something in themselves to actually slow down and just do the work and take the small steps one at a time. And then they took off. And that's yeah. really where that comes from. Um, and yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's the little things. It's the things like I will tell clients that the, um, I had one client who kept, um, kind of deferring everything to me, meaning like, Mm -hmm. you know, well, you're, I don't really understand it, but you get it and I trust you. So you just do it. And that breaks my heart when I hear that. Cause I want, I, not that people have to understand every aspect of their plan, but I want them to be actively involved in it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was telling her that she's needed to start reading some financial articles and I would send her some stuff and she would kind of read it and kind of not read it. And, and it may, it, once she kind of dedicated herself to just reading a financial article a week, her involvement grew so much um, mm-hmm. because of that, you know, she just feels so much more empowered and does she know everything? No, but she's feels like she's gotten little bits and pieces that can actually help her. And it's not just her. I've done this with lots of women. I've told people just to do this and hopefully they're doing it from talks I've done. I, essentially, these little things that we can do to, to get knowledge, to keep control of our money, to under have an understanding and awareness, I would say to the journey of financial independence, which is really what we all want, which is I have enough money to do what I want, when I want, want. and there's no restrictions on things. If I change jobs, no problem, I'm covered, right? If I decide I want to retire early, no problem. If I want to give a trip to a family member, no problem, right? That's where we want to be. And to really get there I guess you could achieve it without these two things, but I think these two things really help is being aware of what's happening, actually taking a look at where you are now and being clear on a strategy and starting to move forward and having to make changes as you go a long way. But clarity and awareness are huge on that path yeah. to financial independence. Yeah. And then I would add, you know, that's clarity, awareness, and then starting to take action. Because yeah. like for yeah. someone like me that like had, and I'm now at zero. <laughs> okay. So I get to restart, but I, I, you know, I almost look at it like a game too. It's like, that can help just with like, it should be fun. Right? Like there yeah. shouldn't be, our money shouldn't be stressing us out. And, you know, these ideas of like, oh, it's never enough or any of this. Like I've read several books recently that have been really helpful. I don't know if you have any, I like to recommend books at times on here, but um, mm-hmm. the two that have made the biggest impact on my journey were a book called Worthy, which is about shifting your self-worth in order to impact yeah, your network because one. as women that's going to make a huge difference and then more recently was tapping into wealth um i'm actually in the middle of reading that but you know, using it's, eft i haven't read that one yeah it's good because it takes away our charge around yeah. money like there's a whole exercise around looking at whatever your income is or wherever you want to make an impact and actually like saying just over and over it's not it's not enough never enough and mm-hmm. like dealing yeah. with what comes up <laughs> when you do that yeah um, exactly. which is powerful yeah 
I think so too. Another one I would say, you know, I'm always constantly reading books and I would say most of them I'm not super thrilled with, but (laughs) I would say, um, I will make you rich is another one. And I think a lot of us women don't read it because it sounds egotistical, like an egotistical man who's saying it. And he's got, he's got an ego, but he's, he's, he's good in terms of building the basis of how you're doing your financial plan, where you're spending your money. He talks about the rich life. That's his terminology. And how do you live your rich life? And I think that that's something that we as women need to look at a lot more. Um, So that's another one that if you're just kind of starting on your journey or trying to find the right balance on things, that's a good one to kind of get started on. It's, It's a complicated, this is the problem that I have with a lot of these books is that there's too many things in there. So mm-hmm. you almost like, where do I start? And I feel yeah. like they need to take a step back and go, this is where you start. And then you do <laughs> this next thing. And then you look at mm-hmm. this, like it can be yeah. a little too overwhelming to get started. So then we don't do mm-hmm. anything. Um, and that's the whole idea of the baby steps is just finding one thing that you can do. I, I really talk about one goal and mm-hmm. and finding little steps that you can do within that goal. And the first step is to create the one goal that's Mm -hmm. your goal. It's not because society tells you you should buy a house or because, you know, society says that you should have this or that it's your actual goal. So even if you're sitting with not very much money in the bank, but your goal is to go to Greece, that should be your goal. Don't look at all the other stuff. Don't, if that's truly what's going to motivate you to keep going and to grow and to be able to accomplish something, then do it. And my thing is, is that if you have that goal, you write it down five days a week, just write it down, whether it's in your phone, in a journal, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You've got to find what works for you that you're going to do. And every time you write it down, you start to think about it a little bit more and you start going, what did I, have I done anything for this? I mean, have I done anything to work on this? And it starts to get you to strategize the right steps for you, right? Because I can sit here all day long and say, you should do this. And then you open up a different bank account and you do, but it's also got to feel authentic for you. And it's got to feel like it's something that's going to fit in for you. Um, so I help clients with that, but really it's got to fit into what they're going to do because otherwise they won't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's key. I love that. Like, well, a, cause it's forcing us women to stop thinking about everybody else and really get clear. Yes. What is it that I actually want mm-hmm. and not what the world says I should want. Exactly. The big yeah. thing I talk about is stop shooting ourselves. I do and that then, too. I talk about that yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I love that term. Um, yeah. And then take steps towards that. And just, you know, no, no goal is, is too big. Like I have a, a list that I made of like 50 desires. I think this came out of the worthy book and I put on one of them, like my brothers and I are all self-employed. We live once in Vermont, I'm in Alaska and the other one's in Hawaii. So we've joked around about getting a family private jet that we can actually see each other more often. And I'm like, that's going on my desire list. Like, and it's not just about them. Like that would be, you know, that's something that I have dreamed about. And that's, we're talking like big money there and that's okay. It's totally fine because I, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people that say, even if you don't achieve that goal, 
the whole idea is so just as a personal story, my husband has always wanted our Corvette always. And we started a Corvette fund for him. And he, you know, mm-hmm. we put some money towards that. This is kind of the idea of the bucket list planning. You put money yeah. towards that alongside your other planning so that you're constantly making progress on that. And he's funny. He was like, I don't know, what if I change this and I don't want a Corvette or I don't find the one I want or whatever. And I said, it's fine because then you have the money there to do what you want what with you want. it. Yeah. Whether it's the Corvette, whether it's a Jaguar, whether it's taking a trip, whatever you want without the guilt of, um, now I'm going to run up my credit card bill and I'm not going to be able right. to pay it off or, or anything like that. That to me is the, is really feeling that independence in control, control of your money so that you do what you want with it rather than have, like you said, all the shoulds, what societal shoulds on you, you should do this. Yeah. You should do that. Am I telling people not to buy a house? Of course, I'm not telling people not to buy a house, <laughs> but don't buy a house because society's told you to buy a house, mm-hmm. buy a house because right. that's part of your planning and you truly want it. That's, that's the difference. Yeah. I love that. And I love the way you shared that. Cause it's almost like, you know, if anybody's gone through like Dave Ramsey stuff, it's, I, I like, his ideas and they can be really restrictive and a lot of people like really, you know, and so I don't know that it's the best relationship to money, but creating like an account or something that you just funnel whatever amount you can funnel into for the thing that you really want. I love that. Like it's almost yeah. like a different take on the envelope system. <laughs> so, yeah. I've, I've actually, yeah. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole idea is that if you know, and the thing that I, how it kind of came about is everybody's got these goals. Like I'm supposed to be saving a thousand dollars a month or whatever your goal is. Right. right. And sometimes we don't hit that goal, especially as business owners, right? Sometimes yeah. we don't hit those goals because the business didn't do great that month or you had an expense come up or anything, but really, um, and we hit, maybe we put $300 away or $500. And instead of going, I put something away great job pat on the back we go yeah. i miss my goal i didn't yeah. do you know we do that and my idea is if you can put anything away every single month we're doing better than we could and you're slowly seeing these accounts tick up because if you have a fund that you're excited about you're going to go into your bank account a little bit more mm-hmm. to see where yeah. it's at Rather than go in there and see the credit card debt and you're like, oh my God, I want to look at that. But you, we're always curious, how much is in that account? How much is it? So you're actually in your bank account a little bit more because you're excited about building towards that. Helps you motivate. It helps stay in track because there are going to be those months that you don't put anything away or you dip into stuff and you have to pull yourself back. How do you do that? It's these bucket list ideas. It's these goals that you have put a lot of meaning behind. So you can't just write out your goal and be like, I want to go to Greece. That's not, that's not going to pull you through times. You have to imagine it. You have to put visualizations to it. You have to put meaning behind it. Why do you want to go to Greece? How is it going to feel when you're there? What is it going to feel like to be accomplishing that? What are you going to do there? What kind of food are you going to have? What's your first meal going to be like there? It's got to be very enriching so that you can get that feeling back. Because really, when you open up your bank account, you should be looking at it and getting that feeling back. Like, oh, I can taste the hummus that I'm going to have or whatever it is (laughs) that you decide is going to be your first meal, your first thing to do. I want that feeling to come back. So you've got to really enrich yourself 
and what that's going to feel like, how it's going to look, what are you going to do there? Why are you going there? Why is it important to go there? And that really will pull you through, you know, those months that we can't put money away where we're constantly shaming ourselves about it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's really good. I just got chills. So I'm giving everyone listening to this an action step is to like pick one thing where you can really just like be there and feel the t- stand on your toes and all that stuff and allow exactly. that to pull and start dreaming from there. So good. So I have a feeling we could keep going for hours on this, but we'll go ahead <laughs> and, and wrap up here. Where can women go to connect with you? Like, Kind of get, I, I love where you come at from with, you know, input on creating a plan because everyone's yeah. going to be a little unique and different. So where can they Absolutely. find more about you? And um, So our, our website is always a good place to go, which is onevisionretire.com. But I, I always okay. say if you want some daily inspiration or to just kind of get a gist of who I am and what I do, um, LinkedIn is a great place. I post every day, well, every weekday, I don't post on the weekends. Uh, Every weekday I post something and it's usually a little story or a little something bite-sized to kind of get you thinking about something. And I think that that's the best way to stay on top of it is if you can get yourself constantly thinking about and, and contemplating, even if it's a minute every day, you're thinking about money and you're thinking about your relationship with money much more than you used to, because we used to just kind of shove that aside and that would be over in this bucket that we just didn't open, right? We just right. we just don't open that box. Um, and so I guess it's like Schrodinger's cat, right? If we just put it over there and <laughs> we yeah. don't have to pay attention <laughs> yeah. to it, we don't know oh, if no. the cat's yeah. alive or not. Uh, so essentially that's kind of the idea is that keeps you going. So feel free to, to reach out on LinkedIn or, um, we have some resources on our website. Either one of those are good places to start. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and having a fun money conversation with me, I think, and, you know, taking something that's always so stressful and just giving it dreams. Yeah. Dream, dreams are good. I like dreaming, dreaming bigger, let yourself dream bigger. I always say so. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Alex. This was wonderful. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope this episode gave you some inspiration to think outside the box in your practice. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to leave a review and share it with a colleague. This helps the message reach even more women DCs around the world. I appreciate you and look forward to joining you on our next episode where we will always be geared at how do we work less, make more, and create an even bigger impact in the world so that we can change the face of healthcare for all.